to episode two of Digging Deep. Um, Tim Daniels, better known as TMFD. And um, I'm joined today by a good friend of mine, mentor, neighbor as well, <laughs> Dominic Di Maria. That's me. Um, welcome, Dom. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm super glad we're doing this. Yeah, I'm stoked. We've been saying that we were going to talk about some shit together. And we end up doing crazy shit together all the time, like making music or just making content. But we've decided that we wanted to do an episode at some point and mm-hmm. had an encounter recently that uh, sort of prioritized this conversation. 100%. 100%. Um, essentially, it's Thursday today. So this previous Sunday. Yes. Um, we had a Labor Day weekend, Labor Day weekend Sunday. Um, we had an interesting encounter with a new super in our building. Um, new as in, I think, according to him, like fairly new, very recent. Yeah, I think it's um, only been like a, a couple of weeks yeah, at the most. Yeah. Um, and essentially what was happening was we were on our rooftop um, a bit of context is in the neighborhood that we live in, I would say we live in the most gentrified building in the block. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. It's a very nice building. has a lot of nice amenities. Um, I'm paying $4,000 a month to live here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's legitimate. It's yeah. legitimate. And um, so, you know, just to give a bit of context there, but we're on our rooftop and um, hanging out with some friends Um we're playing music, which is something that is extremely common in this building on the weekends, during the day. To put it into perspective, there's a community Bluetooth speaker in the community room in this building. So there's, it's not unheard of. It's common for people to be listening to music on the roof, on the patio, around the building regularly yeah i mean i every day will go outside like around five and take my bluetooth speaker out there right and vibe <laughs> smoke a joint listen to music extremely loud yeah. never have, have a problem you know and you know that's also during the week and this was on a sunday where the next day was a, a public holiday um also at the time it wasn't extremely late what time you think it was like i thought it was around 10 yeah I was going to say 10, late as 10.30. So we're we're up on the roof. And at the time that the super um, first arrived, you were downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. So it was me and a few of Dominic's friends. And all of uh, his friends were Black, um, obviously myself included. So... The initial approach was just very bizarre, you know. I'm really eager to hear this part. I wasn't here for this. Yeah. <laughs> but basically what happens is, you know, we're, we're chilling by the, we have a big table in like the middle of the, right. uh, the roof. And we're still, I don't even, I can't remember what we just, what we were talking about in the moment. Yeah. You know, we were just. There you was know, food. You were yeah. Eating, there was you, we, we were having a good time, you know, just vibing and um, just out of nowhere. I just hear the sky just shout like, who the fuck are you? And at first I was just like, very like, I was like thrown back. I was like, wait, what's going on? You know, yeah. like, and so this guy comes around 
and he starts speaking to Nolan and okay. saying, what are you guys doing here? But you know, his tone was problematic. Yeah. Like he was being extremely aggressive. His voice was very loud. You know, he was, <laughs> he was making a fuss about music and he literally was like screaming almost at the top <laughs> of his lungs. Even when you got there, he was, I know. He, was, was he was shouting. Was so initially, and you know, we, we even said it before that in these situations, you know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Right. And very quickly, obviously in my head, it just made total sense that this guy is racially profiling all of us right now. Yeah. So initially I was like, okay, let me not say that I live in the building. Cause just I ride this out. Yeah, let me, let me see <laughs> where this goes. And so then Nolan is telling him that, you know, you live in the building, you're downstairs, you're coming up. And the point for me that really just like pissed me the fuck off, which is when I like stepped in yeah. was he said something along the lines of, he was like, you guys are the people who were here um, yesterday on the roof doing things. And now again, like the second he, he said that my first thought in my head was, I spent all day yesterday in my bed and <laughs> these guys don't even live here. I doubt they were on our roof last night. Right. You know? Right. So I literally said to him, I was like, that is a lie, you know? And my first. Yeah. The, none of the people in, at our thing yeah, had been on the roof the night before. I wasn't on the roof the night yeah. before. Um, and what had really struck a nerve with me when I started arguing with the guy. Cause as we're arguing, I'm just thinking in my head, like he's, I guess, you know, associating us a group of black men. I think that there might've been one black woman up there uh, at the time. And you're associating them with what, breaking things, being reckless, um, individuals who weren't in this vicinity. Right. You know, these people are here for a specific reason. They know two individuals. We're eating dinner. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing crazy. You know, to see that aggression just take place made me mad. Yeah. You know, I, I started shouting at him. He was screaming at us. You know, I let him know that I lived here. Even when I let him know that, I thought his tone might have changed. Because yeah. at first I was like, what, he just thinks that we're a bunch of random kids, like on this rooftop in this building that we know nobody in. Right. And it didn't. He the first thing he asked me was like, "What apartment you live in?" I was like, "I'm not telling you that." <laughs> I, didn't tell you. I was like, "I just told you that I live here, dude." And I was like, "Also, I was like, you're the new super." I was like, "It's interesting that you talk to your tenants like this." Yeah. I was like, "Cause I've known the previous super Ishwar, who's super polite to me." You I know. Told him the same thing. I was like, "Ishwar was great." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I was like, it's just very alarming, you know. How you're, how you're speaking to us. I was like, you're saying that we are the kids who were here breaking things. I was like, that is just extremely dishonest, yeah. like on, 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 on every best. level, you know? Yeah. Um, and what really then proved the point for me was as soon as you came up, and then, I know, dude. Well, I didn't know what I was walking into. Yeah, you no. texted me, you're like, hey, the super is bugging out, come up here. Yeah. And I came out, I was like, I, don't, I didn't know what to expect, but it was not this. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm interesting from your perspective, like what you 
thought initially when you first um, saw what was going on and then when you started speaking to uh, the super, like, you know, what, what from your perspective, how, how did it feel and what, what did you think was going on when you walked into that situation? I, I knew it was going on yeah. as soon as I got up there. Um, and then, but then he like stormed off. So I was like, I didn't know what, you know, particularly he was like harassing everyone about, mm. but I wanted to at least like figure out what was going on. Cause Nolan, when I came up, Nolan was like, this is, you know, the guy that you're looking for. Cause I think he had said something about get the guy in charge. Right. Yeah. Go yeah. yeah. Boss, it, it, that charge. was also something weird that he was like, I'm in fucking charge, like word for word. He's like, yeah. I'm the guy in fucking charge. I was like, do you own this building? <laughs> like, in charge of what, bro? I was like, you're the super. Yeah. Like, you're, you're supposed to assist me, the tenant, yeah. not come and scream and harass my friends. Right. You're doing nothing wrong, right. you know. Um, but yeah, no, you can. Um, well, so yeah, I, I, I walked him down. And I was just like, tell me, tell me what's going on. You know, yeah. He told me about party rules in New York City and all the stuff about, you know, which I know. I mean, it's not like we had like 100 people up here. Yeah. You're allowed to have up to 25 people in a space, mm -hmm. <laughs> safely distanced, whatever. Um, and so I was like, okay. I was like, well, we're eating dinner. Two of us live here. And then you came back over and I immediately saw his tone change. Like when I was talking to him, he was super chill. He like calmed down. He's like, I'm just trying to do my job, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then when you came back over, he immediately went full, like, I'm the boss mode again. Yeah. Started shouting at you. And then he started ignoring you. Yeah. And what happened was he kept talking to me again. And I told him twice, I was like, Temba lives in the building. You're welcome to talk to Temba. And I think I did that three times before. And then I just stopped talking to him. Yeah. And I just, I said, talk to Temba. And yeah, his tone, uh, I mean, it was a 180 from when I was talking to him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it kind of like, I, I was like, I see what's going on here. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it was interesting when he was ignoring me and you were literally like, he's asking a question and he would respond to you, you know, yeah. kind of just like pretending that I don't even exist. You I know. know. I'm yeah. trying to talk to this man, you know, he like, the way that he handled the situation was wrong trying to hold them accountable while right. we're trying to do that he's just totally ignoring the fact that i'm trying to engage with him yeah um and that obviously in itself is um a major issue that is prevalent in society because it's about those tiny racial microaggressions how you treat a group of black kids differently how you would treat uh a group of white kids or yeah. you know same way as sometimes when i've been on the subway and you know, I'm sitting next to a white woman just clenched the purse. Right. You know, thinking like, oh my God, look at this black man. He's going like, to grab my purse, run off the train. Right. You know what I mean? Automatically, like lizard brain level. Exactly. It's like, exactly. Yeah. It's small things like behavior, tiny nuances that are important to talk about, you know? Yeah. And I obviously, I know who you are. So I knew that you were be able to identify, okay, this is what's going on. And I think that it's good to talk about it because people need to think about microaggressions in their yeah. own lives because we all have preconditioned thinking from just how we've been brought up on a lot of different topics, but on race. Yeah. 
and those include microaggressions. Yeah. And we got to get rid of those, right? Yes. And one thing that also was that I loved about the encounter with the super was when I think right before you you came up, he was saying, I would literally say to him, like, call them out. I was like, if this, if we were a bunch of white dudes, you would not be coming at us like this. Right. I was like, that's not even bullshit here. Yeah. I was like, I don't have time for that today. <laughs> and <laughs> let's get down to you it. You know? And he was like, I'm Puerto Rican. I can't be racist. And I was like, yeah. well, <sighs> here you go, you know? Yeah. Which um, is something that I think, again, highlights a big issue, you know? Um, black people like myself can hold racial microaggressions against other black people, mm-hmm. you know, the same way that if I hypothetically am on the train and I see a black man come and he sits next to me, maybe I might just grab my, my pocket and yeah. see, um, oh my God, is my wallet here? Right. You know what I mean? That she can get embodied. Exactly. And it was just, interesting to see that you know from his perspective the first thing that he thought was i'm puerto rican i can't be racist to you right while he was being racist you know right and um i think that it's important to highlight those because people should know microaggressions are, are small things but they play important roles and i think how we see other individuals especially in this conversation about um, racial injustice and equality with yeah. everything that's going on in the United States right now, you know? Yes. Um, and um, I'm interesting, I'm curious what your perspective on microaggressions is because your context is also pretty unique as you have two black brothers. Yeah. You know? So I, I'm sure for you growing up that probably has led you to have a different experience than I guess people who, or white people, let's say, who have just grown up with, out knowing any black people in their lives. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the challenging thing about microaggressions is that there's a certain level of acceptability that people sort of like assume because it's not some like in your face thing. Mm-hmm. So people kind of passively mentally assent to it without, without addressing it. Uh, whereas something like more obvious might, you know, might beg a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think um, for me, I, it, it was, I mean, it was, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of like perspective widening for me over the years of having, having two uh, black brothers in my family. Um, I, I didn't see those things at first mm-hmm. and it took, a long time and a lot of years of uh, just shifting my perspective and opening my perspective more and more to be able to just be, have it, have some sort of awareness Mm. that that stuff was going on. And I mean, honestly, like there are still, there are still behaviors like you're talking about where you just have like a reaction and you go, damn, like I have agreed to this like microaggression Mm -hmm. mentality and you have to untrain yourself. Like you have to retrain yourself 
And um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess I I am trying to pay as much attention as I can, you know. And I think I realize that because through uh, romantic relationships as well as like my family relationships, I've had um, just moments where I know that I have been the problem in the situation, and those are, you know, those are tough things to swallow, but you know, it's, it's not about you like be part of the solution. Yeah. So you have to get um, in that, in that groove, <laughs> in that mindset. Right. <laughs> um, I agree completely. I mean, what you, what you're saying about training and unlearning is so important because I think that with a lot of people to be able to do that, you have to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Come to the table and say, this level of thinking or the way that I think about this is wrong. It's problematic. It's harmful to other people. Right. Those small actions are harmful. You know, in my personal experience, when I've been in experiences like this weekend, it hurts me. You know, yeah. I'm an individual, but also on the broader scale, it just allows for the problem to become an ongoing problem exactly and for the solution we have to hold ourselves accountable and i think a lot of people just struggle or aren't willing to have that honest conversation with themselves or they just don't care right you know and i think that that's something that you know by having these conversations you will hope that people will maybe want to bring themselves to the table yeah, and be like, okay, let me actually think about how I think about things. It's all about the look in the mirror, I think, for this stuff, because I had to, I mean, I literally had to look in the mirror and say, like, I am a racist. Mm -hmm. Like, I have embodied behaviors that have enabled and have perpetuated racism in my life. Mm -hmm. Even as a white person with two black family members, like immediate family members. Yeah. And that's not like an easy thing to admit. Who wants to say that? Mm. But once you get there, I mean, it's it's a matter of like, it's a matter of rebuilding, you know, rebuilding a lot of uh, identity, a lot of behaviors, stuff mm. like that. And that's not, I mean, that's ego work. And that's like, it's psychological work. And I think a lot of people, it's just too hard. <laughs> it seems too hard, right? Yeah. And it seems like it's one of those questions that like, what is on the other side? And I think it can be hard to see. Yeah. But it, it's awesome. <laughs> and you see, it's awesome on the other side. I, I think that that's just what it is, you know? And I think that, again, I know who you are, you know, like just your character and everything. But being able to admit that, you know, is something because I think it shows growth and we all want to become better. You know, racism is a problem that is so deeply embedded in society that everyone needs to look, have that look in the mirror moment. Yes. Everyone, you know, and decide if they're going to hold themselves accountable. And especially right now, because this time that we're in politically, the election is coming up in a few months. Race is definitely a big factor. People maybe who have held racist ideas but they're just not at that hurdle yet. Right. You know, like we live in a technological era on social media every day for months now. I just see flooded content of people sharing things. Right. You know, 
telling people to, sh- to sign petitions, donate. And those things are all good things, right? But will they matter if those individuals aren't actually holding themselves accountable and asking themselves, well, do I actually have racial biases? Do I hold racist ideas? Do I play into racial microaggressions? Right. And if the answer is no, you're not doing any of that soul searching and you're not having that conversation with yourself in the mirror, but you're painting a picture on, you know, social media that this is what you're doing and everyone is doing this. Yeah. You know, come November 3rd or November 4th, in my perspective, if Donald Trump is still the president, then it's just going to feel very performative. Yeah. You know, I hear you. Well, I think it's, um, this kind of work can be really unsettling for people because it's, it alters your consciousness because so much of the existing racism that's baked into this country right now is literally like it's, it's designed to be uh, invisible to white people. Mm-hmm. It's designed for their privilege. And so it can be hard to admit, well, like once you admit it, then you have to admit that like you're the be- beneficiary of, you know, white privilege. And, and a lot of people have these narratives that they're stuck on that, you know, they're not privileged because their grandfather was an immigrant or mm-hmm. some shit. And it's like, I mean, my grand, my great grandparents are immigrants too, but like, I mean, so what, <laughs> you know what I mean? why does that matter? Like, yeah, my, everyone works, like we're all working hard. I get it. But like, you're also, you got a leg up, you know, yeah. it's really that simple. And, um, yeah, I, but it is like, I mean, people like getting set in into ways that they're comfortable with mm. and to expand the consciousness in a, such an uncomfortable way. It's, um, it's easy to make excuses for that. I think a lot of people get stuck on the excuses. And the thing is though, there's a lot of simple things that you can do. If people think they need to like write a press release or something and like, <laughs> you know, on social media, just yeah. declare, I'm, like not a racist anymore or something, but it's like, what you really need to do is like call your grandma, call your aunts and uncles, call people out in your immediate circles when they're doing this kind of, you know, they're falling into these, uh, into these scripts, these very, 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 very harmful scripts. And I mean, it's, it's way simpler just to, it's way easier just to, post something on Instagram and go yeah. about your day. That's the easy, that's the that's easy, the easy way part. But yeah, are you talking to your parents? Are you talking to your grandparents? Are you talking to your aunts and uncles? Are you commenting when, you know, your grandma emails you weird shit that's not cool? Mm. You know, are you, are you engaging in that? Yeah. And leveling the conversation up? Yeah. And dude, like, I agree a hundred percent. I think that it's so much harder to have those difficult conversations, but those are the conversations that we need to be having right now. Yes. You know, those are, I mean, they're critical. <laughs> like now is the time. So important. Yeah. So important. And it's interesting because, you know, just as you mentioned, like talking to family members, but um, my roommates, um, he has actually inspired me a lot 
in the last few months because he specifically is someone that I've seen who's been doing that, you know, because we live together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he has been fighting with um, some of his family members on Facebook and, you know, yeah. having lots of conversations on the phone. And it, it definitely is tough, but this is what needs to be done. Yeah. You know, and it's good to see people doing that. And I'm sure there are many people who are doing that, which is great because racists are our family members. I know. Our friends, our teachers, you know, they're not just some preconceived notion of, you know, people who live in the deep South. Right. You know, they are our supers. Yeah. Our landlords, you know, um, our bosses at work. That's why this one was so stark to me. I'm like, this is the building that we live in. Yeah. This is home. This is, this is my home. Yeah. And a person who is involved in that, who I'm paying money for, who is supposed to assist me. Yeah. Made me feel uncomfortable in my own home because of the color of my skin. Yeah. And that is wrong. It needs to change, but it will only change if we start having these conversations. 100%. You know? Yeah. I mean, my hopes with our situation is, you know, we sent an email out. We did. And co-authored. <laughs> yeah. And today we've been talking about it. Who knows if we'll get a response. Right. But I would hope that at least they have a conversation with him. Yeah. You know, and let him know that his behavior was wrong. Right. But we don't even know if that will happen. I guess I'm closing off points. What would be one thing as a white person that you, who has had that moment of looking in the mirror and admitting that your views were wrong, um, what would you want to say to people who haven't had that conversation with themselves yet, but consciously do know that their views are wrong? I think, I mean, listening, listen and believe when people share stories of this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. listen and believe because that's, that's where you can start to change your framework. And when you can, when you can sort of um, agree to the counter narrative, <laughs> right? From mm -hmm. your, from your existing narrative, yeah. when you can agree to that. You, your mind is malleable. You can change your mind and you can change your behaviors. Yeah. And um, I mean, like forgive yourself, you know, like it's not about heaping thousands of years of shame on your own shoulders, but like realizing that you did contribute to some, you know, really, horrendous things and benefited from them as well. And like, you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta forgive yourself and, you know, improve <laughs> going forward. Like as a trajectory, you need to change your trajectory. Yeah. I like that a lot. Changing your trajectory. Yes. I think that that's, that's a great take um, to end off on. Um, but yeah, again, thank you, Dom, for, having a conversation with him. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, Dom is a filmmaker. He also runs his own podcast, whole content brand called Soul Matter. Soul Matter and Millennial Producer. 
go check it out. Give him a follow on Instagram. His content is dope. And uh, yeah, I'm Tammy Daniels. This is Digging Deep, episode two, and we will see you shortly for more content. Thanks, guys. Peace.